Listen, listen, I'm excited to be here. If you are brand new with us, thank you so much for being here today. My name is Danny. I am one of the pastors here at Kesed, and you are very, very welcome. Uh, we have a lot to share with you today in preparation for our brand new series uh, on the book of Acts that starts next week, uh, right here, same time, same place. And so it's going to be really exciting. Today, we have a guest speaker for you, and I, uh, I learned a lot first service, and I, I plan on sitting in this one with my wife, which is a nice thing to do, by the way. It's kind of nice just to be able to come to church, sit in the back, although people trip out a little bit when the, the video starts, and, and I'm behind them in the seats. They're like, does, does he not know that church just started? But so if, you, if I sit behind you, it, uh, I'm, just, I'm just a student today participating. Uh, and learning about the Word of God, and I, I love it, I love it. We, uh, the gentleman that's coming to share with you today is uh, the gentleman who authored the book, The Face of the Deep, which some of you have already read, you let me know. Uh, his name is Paul J. Pastor, and uh, he is a local guy that uh, God has been doing amazing things with, and his work on the Holy Spirit is just profound. And so we thought, as we move into the book of Acts, which is a book about the work of the Holy Spirit, that we would have Paul come and share with us to kind of set some stage and build some context for how we are going to move forward in this book next week. And so my prayer for you, before I have him come up, is just that you would be willing, like me, to engage with God, engage with his Holy Spirit presence, and maybe, maybe offer up everything you thought or you think you know about the Holy Spirit. And really uh, question really wrestle, really kind of perceive and imagine with Paul and his uh, wonderful message uh, what the Holy Spirit wants to do with you where you are right now. There's not a person in this room that's, that is, is here for any other reason than the Holy Spirit has him here today to hear this message. And it's going to bless your life, especially if you're willing to just set down your agenda in exchange for his, which we talk about all the time, right? Scripture and spirit, that's what we believe in here at Kesed. That's what we promote. That's what we build our lives on. And that uh, transformational living uh, is going to just make a huge difference in your life if you can just really embrace it. And so that's my prayer, a prayer of, of, of being willing to embrace what it is that God wants to do in your life this morning. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to pray and we're going to jump right in. And then uh, the Holy Spirit's going to do some really powerful stuff in our body. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather now. We thank you for the opportunity to... Uh, to listen, to learn, to read, to engage with your spirit. We ask, Lord, that uh, anything that we have that's preconceived would just be exchanged and offered up for uh, truth, God, for the way that you want to bring harmony into our lives through your presence and through your story. I thank you for Paul. I pray that you would bless his words as he shares with us. We have all just fallen in love with him, and I know, Lord, he's fallen in love with us, and it's just amazing to be a part of a family that uh, can just... Uh, listen and learn together because of your spirit and because of the common connection that you bring uh, when people are so willing to learn from your word and sit in your presence. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for every person in this room. We offer this time up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please welcome Paul Pastor. Amen. Thank you, Dan. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. It's great to be here. I mentioned earlier that uh, I don't feel like a guest speaker here. I feel so at home. And you guys have done such a delightful job welcoming me uh, this morning. Uh, and as I look at each one of you, I think that that points to something profound in our Christian story, doesn't it? That I can show up never having met most of you and yet feel this sense of kinship and brotherhood with you. And we get to talk today about the Holy Spirit, who is the person 
who, if you have been baptized in Jesus, if you are living a life that is saying yes to Jesus, he is your life in this powerful, intimate, mystical, dare I say, sense. That the same power that enlivened Jesus Christ is yours and mine today. And that even though we come together in a place here that's a community college auditorium, the ground we walk on here is made holy because the Spirit comes with the people of Jesus. And we are the people of Jesus. So we will talk about great and wonderful mysteries today. We will talk about the book of Acts. We will talk about God but it's all a different, everything I will say today is a different way of saying one thing. God has loved you through his Holy Spirit and will use you to share that love with the world. God has loved you, you, through his Holy Spirit and will use you to share that love with the world. As we get going, I want you to pause your life for a moment. Set aside thoughts of lunch, set aside thoughts of breakfast, set aside whatever you came in here with that's stressing you out. And think for a moment with me what you long for more than anything else in the world. you are honest, when you lie awake at night and you can't sleep, and you just want something, what is that thing? I'm going to venture to say that I know what that thing is, because it's the same thing I want. It's the same thing everyone has wanted since our first father and mother turned their backs on the Garden of Eden and walked eastward into a life of sin and oppression and death and loss. What you want, what you long for, is love. Is to know and to be known. And so before we dive into the book of Acts, before we begin talking about the Holy Spirit, we're going to zoom into that feeling in ourselves. To say, I, I stand up here, I may have never met you, but I know you. I know you. You're like me. You need love. And the Spirit, my friends, is the answer to that longing in a stranger and more wonderful way than any of us could have imagined. One of the key Im images for the Spirit uh, in the book of Acts, which you will see in the coming weeks as you study it, is fire. So Ryan, if you would toss up uh, my first image there. We uh, got a front row seat to fire recently, didn't we? <laughs> you guys probably breathed most of the dug furs of the Columbia River Gorge <laughs> uh, over the course of August and September as a really horrific wildfire burned the Eagle Creek Fire. Uh, and this is actually in my backyard. My family was uh, literally my backyard. Uh, my family was evacuated for two weeks as a result of the fire. 
And you know, uh, it impressed upon us as we went through all of the feelings and experiences of evacuation and seeing these apocalyptic images. The sun literally turned red in the sky because of the smoke and friends, there were snakes coming up out of the rocks as we were evacuating and the fire was getting closer and it was just this eerie, bizarre experience. Uh, but it, it highlighted for me something that's really interesting when you think about the spirit being a fire. Because this looks pretty dangerous and scary, doesn't it? And yet the very thing that makes a fire dangerous is what makes it so good. Ryan, if you just show the next slides here really quickly. This is my wife standing, uh, you know, about 50 yards behind our house is, is the fire line. It got that close. We go to the next. Uh, and through just the dedicated work of hundreds of men and women, uh, this is one of the hot shots, Arturo, who helped save and protect our home. And yet not all creatures were so fortunate. That's a snail that obviously couldn't evacuate like we humans did. So hold that in your mind. What makes a fire dangerous is what makes it so good, right? Its ability to transform something from one thing to another. We heat with wood in my house, and I'm so grateful for the chemical reaction of fire because I take little pieces of seasoned logs and it turns into a delightful, crackling fire that keeps my children from freezing in the gorge winters. This is great. And yet that same process became something just insane in the Eagle Creek fire. And many of us feel like the Holy Spirit might be more like a forest fire in our life than the wood stove. Perhaps because of experiences in our past where the, where the Spirit was used to silence or even, dare I say, abuse us spiritually. Where people said things like, well, if you're not speaking in tongues... You might not be saved. Ouch! <laughs> the Spirit has been, in appearance, a forest fire for some of us. But what I want to say is that He is what God wants to use to transform and animate your spiritual life. To, be, to make you like a wood stove. A source of heat and light and comfort and goodness, not just for you, although that's true, but to then turn and be a witness to that fire, to a world that is longing for love. Longing for love. Let's point to where that longing comes from. Christians believe that we as humanity, male and female, are made in God's image. And God himself is what we call the Trinity. Now, who can explain that to me? Okay, it's a mystery, right? The idea that God is at the same time one and three. That it is completely accurate to speak of God as a he, and completely accurate to speak of God as a they. Perfect unity and perfect community. Now, in setting aside time, because God exists outside of time, and setting aside space, because God exists outside of space, what makes 
the, the one into a three. It's because God, the different persons of the Godhead, love one another with specific types of love. The person we call the Father loves with a love that is begetting, generative, giving, pleased in you. The kind of love that fathers, good fathers, love with. The person we call the Son loves with a love that is childlike. He listens, he responds, he receives, he expands. He carries forward the Father's love. And this is hard to understand, but it's, that, it's the center of the fire that we're talking about here. As the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father, their love itself is alive, personal. The very breath of love, one theologian calls it. The Holy Spirit. And so from before all of time, God has existed as perfect unity and perfect community. He has existed, depending on nothing besides himself, as the thing you long for. Because as the Apostle John wrote in 1 John, God is love. So the longing that you and I feel on those sleepless nights is for the one who made us because we were made in his image. And the ways we don't feel love, the ways that we do not know and are not known by others, show us that something must be done to return us to the one who made us. Now, uh, I'm supposed to be talking about Acts, and instead we're like lifting the hood on the, on the Trinity and like looking underneath. We're going to be here till about 7 a.m. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but let's, let's move forward because, gosh, we know the story of Scripture is a long convoluted, beautiful, messy explanation and visualization of a particular family and nation searching for that love, searching for a return to that love. The Bible is big and long. Acts comes about this far through it. Right? So you have this much of the Bible before it. And if I was to sum that whole thing up, sum up all of the narrative context that leads us to the book of Acts, I would say it this way. We look for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> and yet there are promises. Promises that one would come from inside humanity to show us the way back. That like Adam and Eve in the garden chose to redefine love for themselves, themselves, one would come who would accept God's definition of love 
who would surrender to it. And who God would use to lead a new people in unity and in community back to the love they were made for. We see those promises fulfilled in the Gospels, don't we? If you read your Bible, the Gospels are the four stories, the four accounts of the Jesus story. I'll say it that way. And why does the Bible do four times what it could have done one time? Tell the story of Jesus. Because we get four diverse perspectives, united in meaning, but diverse in perspective on what, the, on what Jesus meant to the world. So those four books we call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in your New Testament, if you open up your Bible to the second half of the New Testament, they would all be clumped together. Luke precedes John in most of your Bibles, which is a problem because Acts comes on the other side of John. But in its original form, did you know that Acts is the second half of Luke? It's not an epilogue. It's not a sequel. It's the second half of a gospel. In other words, it's the second half of a particular way of looking at Jesus' story. Now, Jesus ascends in the first chapter, right? And you'll see this as you journey over the next weeks with your pastors through the book. He, he literally, like, lifts off and leaves earth after teaching his disciples and promising them the Holy Spirit. He leaves. So how can we call it a gospel? Because the Jesus in Acts, well, there's, there's in a sense, how can I say this? There's two ways of thinking about Acts as the story of Jesus, of Acts as a gospel. One is as the, a continuing uh, of the story of Jesus of Nazareth, right? He preaches for 40 days in the first chapter. He's directly quoted. He even shows up later uh, through a vision to a man named Saul, who is on his way to Syria to persecute Christians. But there's also a sense in which Acts is the story of the body of Christ. That same Saul who experienced the risen Jesus in a terrifying vision on the road to Damascus in Syria would later, in his letters to early Christians, talk about this idea of being in Jesus, in Christ. He would talk about the body of Christ, the bodies of Christ, no, the body of Christ, as if Jesus' mission and ministry was continuing through the unified community of people we call the church. And we get to see that in the book of Acts, my friends. We get to see that and what it means. Now, the original name of the book of Acts was the Acts of the Apostles, at least a very early name that they said. Uh, but you know what? It's really the acts of Jesus <laughs> through the apostles. And the agent of this 
just like in the divine trinity, that ancient unified community of love, is the Holy Spirit. It's what makes the body of Jesus the body of Jesus and what gives them power to witness. So Acts fundamentally is the story of the body of Christ continuing the gospel work of Jesus. It's the story of Jesus in the plural, carrying the ministry of reconciliation into the world. Along the way, we get an incredible picture of the first century world. You guys are going to have a delightful time. Acts is so colorful. It's saucy. Do I dare say saucy? It's fun. You see dark magicians resisting the gospel. You see uh, colorful shipwrecks. You see snakes and, uh, and trials and drama and politics and all of, all of what it means to be a human living in a world where love is a scarce thing playing out. And in this way, we see that Acts, if we step back and see it rightly, is really a microcosm of Christian life. Every type of person is present there. Rich and poor, wise and foolish, faithful and treacherous, And if we read it rightly, we begin seeing ourselves in the book of Acts. The book begins bleeding into our world a little bit, as it should. Because the original mission of Jesus given to his people is our mission. Let me read to you from chapter 1. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he, Jesus, gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him, excited, and asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, can we get political? What does he say? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts follows this progression, beginning in Jerusalem, moving to Judea and Samaria, and then progressing to the boundaries of the known world at that time. And I guarantee you this, the Apostle Paul uh, would have had his mind blown to know that there was a continent lying far to the east of them <laughs> that we now name North America, and it would have mystified him to think about a people of our day and age living among gigantic trees right at the edge of the frontier in Vancouver, Washington. 
but we are a continuing extension of the story of Acts. We sit, my friends, at the ends of the earth. But as we read Acts, do you know what we see? That we long for the same thing that the early church is longing for? Love and the love of Christ. That we are given the same power that the early church was given. The Holy Spirit. And that we inherit the same calling that they inherited to be witnesses. Now, in our culture, witness makes you think of a courtroom, right? Did anybody watch Perry Mason growing up? Love Perry Mason. Della Street, right? It's just amazing. It's like courtroom drama. And we think of witness in that sort of sense, this legal sense. But the Greek word that Acts uses is actually the root where we get the word martyr. And the idea in Acts of witness is of testifying to what we have seen with full commitment, with our very bodies on the line. Not just verbally saying the gospel, but living in the gospel with an audience. Now, there's many of you uh, in this room who, if we were really honest, don't quite know what you're testifying to personally. Uh, In writing a book about the Holy Spirit, I get lots of people who come up after events like this or after, you know, in conversation somehow, and they say, I love it, but I'm afraid that I've never felt the Holy Spirit in my life. What does this mean for me? What am I testifying to? Yeah, I can repeat the message of the gospel. I could say, perhaps, the four spiritual laws. Yeah, I like the idea that I'm longing for love, and so is everybody else, but what am I testifying to? What have I seen? How can I live the gospel in front of an audience? And do you know what we see in Acts that's so encouraging? That the early church were witnesses, both through the marvelous, like healings, dead being raised, actual miracles, and the mundane, sharing, flipping the economic system on its head and saying, we're going to have no poor among us. Living out the kingdom, knowing and being known. And because the same thing that makes fire good is what makes it dangerous, you will see over the next weeks in Acts that the Spirit is a very good and comforting companion, but he is never comfortable. He challenges from the inside people to change the course of their life. He leads a man named Stephen to become the first literal martyr. 
killed by the religious leaders of Israel for witnessing to Jesus. If you you could uh, pull up the image of Stephen Ryan, because this is the image I think of. Um, 1656, this beautiful painting was made by an Italian master. You see the glow on Stephen's face. You'll read his story at some point as you move through the series, I'm sure. He is being given a vision of heaven, one that those around him do not share. They're just killing a man and feeling like they're on God's side as they're doing it. But he's looking into heaven and he says, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. Hey guys, I see Jesus paraphrasing here, and he is Lord, and he is love. So sometimes it's a heavenly vision, and sometimes it's a very homely vision. Acts happens in the homes of believers, the communities of believers. Happens in urban centers, and rural places. It happens on highways, But in all of it, the body of Jesus is witnessing. They're saying, Jesus showed us the way back. There's a a road back to love. They're saying, do you know that what you long for exists? It can be found. We are seeing it. If you would click to the image of the baptism of Jesus. When Jesus went to his cousin John in the desert, along with a whole group of other people who were coming out, to be baptized and to uh, have a renewal of their Jewish faith. He went into the water and had the experience of witnessing the Spirit coming down upon him like a dove and hearing the Father's voice, the whole Trinity present there at the River Jordan. I've been there. It's not a very impressive river. It's not perhaps uh, where you would imagine this... uh, center point of history happening. But isn't that like God to bring the heavenly and the homely together, the marvelous and the mundane together? It's just like God. So here, the Spirit is coming down. and We see the body of Christ, the physical body of Jesus of Nazareth being baptized in the river by the Holy Spirit. And what language does he use in Acts 1? Well, that of baptism. If you go to the next slide. And the beginning of all of these stories, the beginning of all this search and this quest, the beginning of the longing, the beginning of the knowledge, the beginning of the witnessing, the beginning of the power, is this moment. This is a sixth century icon. It's 1,400 years old, picturing the Holy Spirit coming down and flames of fire, both dangerous and good, burning upon the first community of disciples. And what was this? Well, Jesus said it was a baptism. 
the baptism of the body of Jesus, the body of Christ. And so if you think about it rightly, Acts is the second half of a gospel story. The gospel story? Yes! And your gospel story. Because if you believe in Christ, if you say yes to Jesus, if you cling to him in the holy foolishness that the eternal son showed up among us as a carpenter from a backwoods town in Israel, he seals you and baptizes you with his own life, with his own power, so that we become the body of Jesus. So that Acts, the story of our forefathers and mothers, can truly be thought of as a gospel. The work of the Christ to carry the message of God's own return to love to the ends of the earth. Go to the next slide. Oh, actually, go to, um, just go down to the image of Kesson here as we bring this home. This one. Okay, this is the stage I'm standing on, right? I think it is. Pulled this off your website, so I assume so. If God looks at this picture, does he see you on fire? Does he see the continual descent of his spirit here? I think he does. Because the one who exists beyond time and beyond space, the one for whom all times are now and all places are here, is using us to undermine our own foolishness and sin is using Jesus as our leader, as the prototype of a new humanity to, to redeem through his blood, to consecrate through his spirit, and to send through his word to send us to the ends of the earth. we are being invited into God's own love, to God's own life. Eternal, mysterious, beautiful. And the mystery of it is how easily we can forget that part of the story. Because do you know how it looks for us? Do you know how witnessing looks for us? It usually looks like daily life. like working, like struggling to love in the context of family and vocation and community and neighborhood and, yes, church, too. But there's good news. You 
are not doing this on your own. He has not left you alone. That because God knew in advance that you would need it, he gave us himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that it was better for us that he go so that the Spirit could come in an imminent way. Do you believe that? Are you experiencing that? I want to encourage you. If you felt like you've never seen the Holy Spirit move in your life, I want you to think of a moment where you loved beyond your own ability to love where you were joyful beyond your human capacity for joy, where you forgave something you should not have had the power to forgive. At any moment that you moved past the limits of yourself because of love, that was the Holy Spirit. And you get to carry that forward with you and say, I'm seeing it. I witness to it. I bear witness that Jesus is here still doing his work, doing his ministry. And yes, it's marvelous. And yes, it's mundane. And yes, it's heavenly. And yes, it's homely. But he's here. As you go from this place, I want you to go seeing yourself as God sees you. Beloved, loved, accepted, washed in the blood of Jesus, given the promise of his own life in the Holy Spirit. And my encouragement for you is that you ask that spirit to come new into you. He's been there from the first moment you believed. But he always is eager for you to say, come more, please. You will go from this place witnessing, if you want to. You will go from this place powerful, if you want to. God has given you that gift, the gift of himself, the gift of his love, the gift of knowing and being known. And so as we conclude, very simply, I want to bless you. I'm no kind of anybody. I'm a kid who grew up on a sheep farm in rural Oregon, the ends of the earth. By the grace of God, through the power of the Spirit, I'm also the presence of Christ today, as you are. And so speaking this blessing over myself as well as you, asking you just, if you would just even extend your hands like this, like you were receiving something from God. I want to bless you. Kessid, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be blessed to witness with power Go in the name of the Lord Jesus, seeing yourself as God sees you. 
beloved, accepted, and his own witnesses. Chesed, there is no one else who can be Jesus to this time and this place, to your families, to your relationships, to your work, than you. Be blessed with all the fruits of the Spirit for joy, for love, for peace, for patience, for gentleness, for goodness, and all of the other gifts that the Spirit brings when He comes. Be blessed to do the hard and holy work of Christ for this place. In the name of Jesus, amen. Bless you.